Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Weekend Starts Now. I sort of had a feeling this would be a very loud crowd. Yeah, the crowd's out of control here. We're at uh, Indeed Brewing in the Ox. And uh, yeah, this is the podcast about what's going on. Food, drink, art, comedy, coffee, you name it, in Minneapolis, St. Paul. And uh, we're sponsored here by Indeed Brewing Company, which cultivates an artfully eclectic lineup of distinctive flagship beers, well-loved seasonal releases, and adventurous specialty brews from the heart of Northeast Minneapolis. Indeed Brewing, we're not just brewing beer, we're crafting experiences. We are thirsty creatures. Indeed. More to explore at IndeedBrewing.com. I'm James Norton. Adam Vorey's on the board. Taylor Carrick over here to my right. Taylor, how you doing? I'm Okay. Uh, pretty excited to be back at the Ox. Yeah. Love coming here. Real it's highlight. For home me. away from home is yeah. how I feel about it at this yeah. point. Uh, Jackson O'Brien is here from Peace Coffee. Hello, I'm Jackson O'Brien. Thanks from Peace Coffee. From Peace, yeah, Coffee. From Peace Coffee. Yeah, that's where I work. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. We're going to talk to you about a, a whole lot of exciting coffee-related stuff. Yes. Uh, coming up just, just in a moment in the next segment. This segment, though, Taylor, you staked <laughs> it out with an important topic. Yeah, it's uh, burning a hole in your mind. What what's going on? What's what's on your mind? Uh, this is what I wrote in the script, which I sometimes I fill stuff in, and uh, I forget that I did it in sort of a cheeky fashion. Yeah, uh, but I'll just read it. I, I think I think our show sometimes gets too exciting. Yeah, <laughs> we want to want to step it back and just do some reading. Just read from the yeah, script. Yeah, what's what's going on in the script? Uh, I'm already block partied out. It's early June. <laughs> yeah, that didn't take very long. <laughs> Uh, but I'm also excited for Bastille Day parties in July. Let's explore my feelings. Okay. Um, Jackson, are you a block partier? I am not much of a block partier. I do use the summer as an excuse to drink out of doors. <laughs> yeah, uh, as well you should. About 50% of a block party as right, far as I right, can tell. Right, right, right. But I, I don't like doing it in a crowd. I yeah. like doing it in a backyard. Yep. Uh, if, if the Minneapolis PD are listening, I'm, I don't like doing it in a park. Right? <laughs> yep, that would be potentially in violation of regulations. Uh, yep, yep. And I have to say, I'm with you, Jackson, because mm. for me, uh, as soon as I get into a block party setting, I just start looking for exits, which is weird because yeah. you're already outdoors. <laughs> but it's like the music and the people and the lines mm-hmm. and the noise. It's like the street festival scene in Godfather 2, uh, you yeah. know, where the Vito Corleone, young Vito Corleone, guns down the neighborhood yep. mob boss. I feel like the mob boss. In right. that setting, not that anyone's actually trying to gun me down that I know of. I don't of, think but, so. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I just get I get kind of stressed out. Like yeah, they're so very stressful in, uh, environments. I've been to a few already, even though it's early June, and um, I just I you know I think if you're facing the choice between drinking in your backyard or on your porch or patio, versus going to a block party and paying a lot of money for beers, it's got to really be uh, grade A entertainment. To, to to make it worth your while, even though a lot of them are free. Well, let me, just, let me quick briefly interject. Yeah. Taylor, I know you know five or 6,000 people here in, in the metro area. Sure. Is it a, a feature or a bug that when you go to a block party, you run into basically all of them in series? A feature. Feature. Oh, well, that's, that's, a, that's yeah. an endorsement. And, I, and so I think that, that adds an element to it, too, which is kind of fun. Like, oh, hey, so-and-so, I haven't seen you in a while. But at the same time, if you run into someone you know, it's like, hey, so-and-so, how are you doing? I can't hear you because the music's so loud, right. and I got to go pee because I've been drinking beer all day. Right. That kind and of thing. And find the portal potty yeah. is, is the next step. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. But then I hear things like, oh, Bastille Day. That sounds really fun. Go eat French food. Drink some wine outside. What are the big? Is there? Is it? I know Barbette's got a Bastille Day thing, yeah, right? Yeah, Meritage and, 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 does. And Meritage does too. Okay. Yeah, and there's um, I forget what the other one is, um, down at um, 50th. 
in Southwest. But there's, what is it? Salu. Oh yeah, Salu has one. Yeah, I mean, so they're around, and um, yeah, that. It, it, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, there's ten other block parties coming up that I'm just like, I don't know, is it worth it? You know, before the show, we were talking about. If you got to cross a river, it's just like, God. <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> yeah. It might as well be on the moon. Yeah, exactly. How am I going to get there? Why would I go there? This is fine. I was so. going to launch into a construction tangent, but then like, well, you know, I, I just thought ahead. I'm like, oh my God, I just wasted five minutes of everyone's life. Yeah, well, and also <laughs> if you go back uh, to our first season, we have a very lengthy, almost too long segment where you said, what's, what's going on in the Twin Cities this week? And I'm just like, no one can get anywhere because of construction. And yeah. Here we are. Again. Go back and listen to that again because it holds <laughs> up. Uh, yeah. so, we'll, but that's it. Let's talk coffee. We're already having fun, so we'll be right back in one moment with Jackson O'Brien from Peace Coffee. back to the weekend starts now we're here we're here with jackson o'brien the head barista of peace coffee he's been in the specialty coffee industry for 12 years and spends every day he's at work striving to brew coffee better he spends his day off on boats or on twitter can can you not do both yeah i was gonna say what's the overlap oh no you can't be on twitter on a boat you need to be present in the moment on a boat doesn't that step up your twitter game though if you're (laughs) tweeting from a boat i don't maybe maybe (laughs) very rarely very rarely would i tweet from a boat um 
We should talk more about the boat, actually. I mean, a, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Are we talking a pontoon? Or are we talking? No, about it's, it's, uh, my wife and I just bought kayaks. It's our first truly Minnesotan purchase. Nice. nice. Um, we we moved here mm, three years ago now, four years ago now, four years ago now. From from where? From Tennessee. How's the adjustment period been going? It's been good. Um, I still very much feel not native. Okay. Um, mm. I think that until I've lived here thirty years, I'm going to feel a little bit sure. like an outsider. Uh, but we've, you know, managed to, to get along with things and it, everything's been a little bit strange as far as like the kind of activities people do. Like the first time we w- saw somebody in shorts in 40 degree weather, we were oh, like, yeah. what is going on? Where did we move to? Yeah. We're on Mars. Uh, but the first like truly Minnesotan thing that we did that we loved was we went kayaking out in uh, Winona mm. and it was like, this is the thing. This is, this is a, I can get behind this. This oh, is yeah. a, a Minnesota thing that I can do that uh, we both really love. And so we, we've just been jumping head forth into it. And now That's every great. weekend we go out and find a body of water to paddle around on. Well, and that part of the state particularly is so beautiful. Oh yeah, you know, absolutely. It's, it's, but, but, then again, there's many others that also qualify. Whole yes, yes. North Shore, Boundary Waters, mm-hmm. etc. Talk to us a little bit. Uh, Taylor and I live in the neighborhood. We love Peace Coffee. Mm-hmm. But what's Peace Coffee about? What's the sort of the bigger picture with the company? Uh, bigger picture with the company, the, the origin story kind of tells a lot about it. Um, we were founded in 1996 uh, when uh, this non-for-profit think tank called the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy went uh, to Chiapas, Mexico to talk with some farmers about international agriculture and trade policy, not surprisingly. (laughs) And they were talking and said, uh, you know, all this talk is well and good, but what we really need is for somebody to buy our coffee at a fair price. And they said, oh, that's an excellent idea. Let's work out what that fair price would be. Uh, But we're not actually going to purchase anything. We're a think tank. And apparently the (laughs) but we're a think tank portion got lost in translation because they agreed on what a fair price would be. And then a bill came and a container of coffee. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) And so um, rather than try to send it back or anything, they decided to maybe put their money where their mouth was and uh, formulated this for-profit company where the idea was everybody along the supply chain gets paid a fair livable wage. From the farmer, uh, through to the exporter, to the importer, to uh, the roasters, the delivery guys, and now the baristas and things. Uh, and that's, that really resonated with me, and I actually moved for the job. I, got, uh, I was looking for somewhere to move other than Nashville, and I stumbled upon this. And I have family up here, too. Cool. Uh, so... Looking forward a little bit, time-wise, tell us about the caffeine crawl, because that's something I heard about. I'm like, oh, this, these are two things that I enjoy, caffeine and movement. Yes. So yes. What, what's, what's, the, what's the story with the event? Um, so this was invented by uh, some dudes from Kansas City uh, who were employed by a company called The Lab, I believe it's called. Um, and they wanted to create a, an event that was not unlike a pub crawl. Uh, where you would go to a city and you would experience all of the great things that specialty coffee had to offer uh, in that city. And rather than kind of being just this uh, unhinged hedonism of I'm going to go to this new place and I'm going to consume this thing and I'm going to move on to the next place, instead now uh, it is you go to this place and the people who are participating have these uh, little presentations. They have... Some, something to present to the people that are like, here's an aspect of coffee you might not have considered before. Here's something about this particular business. Here's something about 
our particular expertise in coffee and in caffeine and whatever uh, that you might not know about. And so it's, it's become this really cool, interesting thing. And I uh, did one a couple of years ago, I want to say. And the people were super fun. They were super engaged. They were super into everything that we do. I All hopped up on caffeine. All hopped up on caffeine. It's a lot of... I, I talk to people about what I do an awful lot, and after sentence three, they glaze over, and they're like, so tell me about the cat poop coffee. Is that real? <laughs> um, but... These, these folks are really, really into it, and so I can get as unhinged and nerdy as I want, and I love it. So I'm really excited about this, uh, this thing coming up. What's the date or dates, and what are some of the places on this crawl? Obviously, Peace Coffee is probably part of the mix, but what's the big picture on it? Uh, if I don't have my phone in front of me, I can't remember exactly when things are. It's in July, I We'll think. have it on the website. We'll have it on the website. Just search for Caffeine Crawl. Uh, the, you can buy tickets to the Twin Cities one. Uh, there's a whole, whole bunch of people participating in this year's crawl. There's, you know, uh, all, obviously all of your major coffee players in the, the Twin Cities, your Spy House, your Dogwood, um, your Peace Coffees, uh, and some new players as well. There's uh, Five Watt, of course, is participating, and they've blown up on the scene. Uh, some folks from in Northeast called Up Coffee um, are participating. Uh, one of my former baristas, dude by the name of Taylor, just opened a cafe over in Prospect Park area called uh, Hub City Cafe, and I saw their name on the thing, and I was like, ooh, this is exciting. It's a giant list. Uh, if it's if it, they serve good coffee, if you've been there and you enjoy the coffee, it's a good chance they're on the list. Well, and looking at the list, too, it is very impressive, not only from the event standpoint, but also the coffee scene as you had mentioned you know i looked through uh the people who were participating and i just went oh dang they're good yeah. oh dang they're good mm-hmm. oh yeah there's that one. Oh mm-hmm. yeah there's that one um and it's just it's a testament to how many good actual coffee service places we have right now what do you think accounts i mean uh, first of all i'm going to make a uh, uh, sort of an assumption and correct me if i'm wrong but it mm-hmm. seems like the quality and quantity of the coffee scene has really exploded over the last five years Mm-hmm. And if you okay. agree with that, what's driving it? Why, why are there so many good coffee places opening up? Uh, I think a lot of what is going on is that, frankly, I think the biggest thing is a free exchange of information is the big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, for a long, long time, for the first, uh, I want to say like six or seven years I was in coffee, it was me alone in a room trying to figure out what I was doing and how to do it more better. Um, and then slowly I started like finding like-minded people on places mm. like Twitter and Facebook and things. And I could talk about like, so tell me about your extraction percentage on an 18 gram dose espresso between blah, blah, blah. And I could get some meaningful conversations. And so now a lot more people have better knowledge of how to better source coffee, about how to better grow coffee. I mean, this, this, continues all the way to origin, about how to better grow coffee, process coffee, uh, roast coffee, and brew coffee. And so rather than somebody being like, okay, I'm going to open a coffee shop and I'm going to buy an espresso machine and line a wall with Tarani syrups and make an orange mocha frappuccino and hope that the world comes beating to my door, there's a lot of people who are in the business of, I'm going to make this coffee delicious. And then they learn about it, and then they teach other people, and then those people go and start businesses, and those people go and start businesses, and things like that. So last segment, I narrowly avoided uh, discussing road construction. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. And it occurs to me, one of your topics, 
fortuitously enough, you guys have got a construction club starting up at Peace Coffee. Yes, What's that yes. about? Uh, so we are uh, at Wonderland Park, our flagship cafe on Minnehaha Avenue. Um, we have been slowly growing a clientele and it started out just like a handful of neighborhood regulars and it's slowly been building and building and people are now just now getting to the point where they know that Peace Coffee exists over there and it's like, oh yeah, that's kind of a destination, it's kind of a thing. And right as soon as that happened, they're shutting down Minnehaha for construction. And so uh, we wanted to do something to make it worth your while to get over there. And so we're launching this program called the, uh, the Construction Club where you can sign up. It's a monthly subscription price. It's either uh, $50 or $75 a month. And for $50 a month, you can get all the drip coffee you want, all mm -hmm. the standard black coffee you want. Uh, and for $75 a month, you can get all of the bar drinks you want. You can get yeah. all of wow. the espresso and lattes and capo what's it as you want. Yeah. Um, My wife is in the audience here, and she's pointing at me meaningfully. Mm -hmm, right. It's <laughs> clearly your, your, your target demographic is sitting right there with the camera. It, if, if she's going to break the bank on that. If too, you, you bother to out. crunch the numbers and you go to <laughs> coffee shops regularly, it's, oh, yeah. it's a huge bargain. Yeah. Um, and we just wanted to do this to show how much we appreciate all the people who have yeah. come by the, uh, the shop and who have made it uh, a part of their lives. And so it's, it's specifically for kind of our regulars and things, but you know, anybody's welcome to, yeah. to sign up. You know, one of the things that I like too about that location is the, the changing uh, creative drinks that uh, end up popping up, whether it's like a, like a horchata inspired mm -hmm. coffee drink or this week it's with mint and lavender. Right, or, right. <laughs> and what's the process behind developing those? Is that something where someone has an idea and then you try to get the recipe going? It's, it's very regimented, actually. Oh, wow. We do it every, um, we shift drinks every quarter. Okay. So once in, uh, we just did one, uh, shifted a bunch of drinks in June 1st. We'll do it again September 1st, again December 1st, and again March 1st. Nice. And that's when our seasonal coffees get released, and that's when we decided, okay, we're also going to shift the uh, specialty drink menu. So six weeks out from that, I have like a little brainstorming session where everybody in the company is welcome to come by and just say like, I don't know, maybe make something with tomatoes. <laughs> and we try some tomato things, and it's like, that tastes terrible. We're I hope that was a real that. suggestion. That's fantastic. Uh, th that was a real suggestion, oh, no. actually. Um, and so we work through things and eventually after that I end up with like maybe five or six things that could be tasty. And then I work on, okay, logistics and pricings. Who's going to be our vendors for this? How am I going to write the recipes? Does it make sense to do this? You know, yeah, a, a, a saffron and truffle drink might be delicious, but I don't want to have to charge 20 bucks for it. Oh, yeah. Um, so then... After that, it's just all a bunch of logistics of you know sign making and training and things. And then big day rolls around. We take down the old signs. We put up the new signs. We make sure that all the new things are up. And yeah, we just did a new one. We've got a drink inspired by uh, Eastern European halva, which is a sunflower yeah. and sugar uh, confection. Damn. Um, that was come up with by uh, one of our downtown baristas, a dude by the name of Phil Prentice. Very talented gentleman. Uh, we have a cha a a uh, drink called the Cha Yen, which is a Thai iced tea inspired thing that was created by uh, our barista Andrea Osland from Wonderland Park. And uh, we have a cold press uh, burnt sugar lemonade thing Ooh. that's sparkling and very refreshing and delicious. <laughs> uh, 
And uh, that was inspired by our director of retail, Murray Regulus. Sort of on that note, I was driving through Wisconsin recently and stopped off by the side of the highway at a, at a quote, coffee shop, unquote. And the special of the day was Rolo Chai. Rolo Chai. Which combines all the, the mystique and wonder of, uh, <laughs> of traditional chai, chai latte yeah, yeah, yeah. with, uh, you know, the sweet, re- re- sort of life-affirming flavor of Rolos. <laughs> The caramel-filled candies. I didn't get get that. I got a latte. I regretted it. <laughs> I regretted it so much. There's no way. How does that work? I could have been worse than the latte. How I does got. that work? They melt them, or it's I don't. Kind of... I think it's just caramel and chocolate syrup. Probably, it? yeah. Oh. yeah it's just, but I'm glad you guys are, are several steps past that. <laughs> before we let you go, uh-huh. I know you wanted to mention a little bit about your sort of educational component, your classroom component, yeah. Peace Coffee. What's what's going on on that front? That is, uh, don't tell my bosses, but my favorite part of my job is uh, these classes that I get to teach to the members of the general public. Um, it started out, we just had a class called Mastering Coffee at Home um, that was just focused on how to up your coffee game at home and you know make it so that maybe you don't spend so much money in the cafe, which is a ridiculous thing for a cafe worker to inspire in people, but still, like you can brew the really coffee tasty coffee at home, here's how you do it. Um, and also, we just launched a thing called the Barista Lab series, so that people can learn like real professional skills if they so desire uh, in our uh, pro settings. And for the first time, I've been fighting for this for a while, uh, I'm able to teach these classes during the summer because previously it's just been too valuable to have our training room open to members of the general public during the summer. But we have a new training room at a roastery and I was able to muscle my way into there uh, in the, on the weekends. So if you're interested in learning more about uh, how to better your your coffee game in general. It is uh, it happens one weekend every month uh, through the summer at our roasting facility. You can find it at uh, peacecoffee.com. Just click on shop and then education. And uh, yeah, it's 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 very reasonably priced. There's a very similar class that's offered by a couple of the roasteries that cost seventy five and a hundred dollars. Oh my! Uh, ours cost twenty. Nice. Wow. Jackson O'Brien from Peace Coffee. Thank you so much for joining yeah, us. Thanks. Thanks. We'll be back with more on The Weekend Starts Now. Welcome back to the weekend starts now. 
here at Indeed, feeling the love. Oh, yeah. Having a great time. We are here. Uh, I'm James Norton. Taylor Carrick's over there. We've got Steve Horton from the upcoming Bakersfield, which we're very excited about, and Luke Kyle from Draft Horse and uh, The Anchor. Let me actually just introduce you guys to some proper bios, and let's jump into it. Uh, Bakersfield Flour and Bread is a wholesale flour mill and bread bakery opening in the food building this summer. Steve Horton, former owner of Rustica Bakery, great bakery, is a co-founder with Kieran Foliard, the owner of the food building. They're going to be milling grains primarily grown in Minnesota, North Dakota, and Wisconsin. Luke Kyle is originally from Belfast, Ireland, moved to Minnesota when he was 12 years old, has worked in various restaurants and bars over the course of a 14-year period around Minneapolis, and is currently the owner and executive chef uh, of the Anchor and executive chef over at Draft Horse. And uh, Luke, you've successfully owned and operated your own construction company as well? Uh, I don't know if it was successful. <laughs> that seems like a lot of stuff. Yeah, well, you know, got to keep busy. Well, let's, uh, Luke, let's just jump in with you first. And you guys feel free to, you know, just cross, cross talk and, and whatever. We're very, we're very uh, kind of informal around here. Tell us a little bit about Draft Horse for people who haven't been. It's a, re- it's a really cool place. Sure. Uh, so the Draft Horse, uh, we opened uh, December 5th of this year. Well, last year, I suppose. Um, uh, it kind of came about with the whole concept of the food building. Uh, Kieran and myself have known each other for years uh, since we moved from to the States. Uh, our families have been uh, close. And um, when I found out what he was working on uh, with the companies in the building and the idea behind it with working with the farms and um, the pr- making the products... Um, it was an interest to me, you know, and uh, there was a space that was vacant still, the oldest part of the building, which used to be an old uh, horse veterinarian clinic uh, where they would stable the sick horses in the neighborhood that would um, haul the beer kegs around the neighborhood from the breweries to the bars and whatnot, and also the food and the grains and the mill, the mills. <clears throat> um, so got to thinking, you know, well, it would be nice to have somewhere in the building, as it's just a food production building, to, you know, showcase um, the food that's actually made there and uh, have a retail space for it. Um, And then also showcase it in a creative way where the restaurant uses the ingredients made, um, you know, on the menu. Talk a little bit about that menu. What do people eat when they come into Draft Horse? And I, I know you've got a little bit of turnover, new stuff going on. Tell us about that too. Sure. Um, well, our concept um, in terms of the food was more of a Sunday roast type feel. Um, so, you know, more family style. So a lot of slow roasted meats and sides of seasonal local vegetables, bread, cheese, um, and uh, meats. Um, so basically showcasing the meats made of bread table meat and uh, the cheeses at the Lone Grazer Creamery are highlighted in a lot of those. Um, s- uh, well, and I, I got I to gotta jump in here and yeah. say that as a food person, I mean, what Mike Phillips is doing uh, with Red Table is just fabulous. I mean, that's some of the best meat you can get in the state. Oh, yeah. And Lone Grazer, too. Ruben like, had all this training at Caves of Faribault, and he's just crushing it with really amazing interesting cheeses so yep. you got to feel kind of lucky being in that environment where oh. this stuff is just falling into your into your kitchen it's incredible uh this afternoon for example uh cheese curd tuesdays 
is on Tuesdays. Nice. So the curds come on it, still warm, and they bring them down the hall to us, and we sell them. Cool. You know, so it doesn't get better than that. Just walking down the hall. And yeah, I was uh, just there for Art World, and they had a big sign up that said, um, uh, this is where the pig carcasses are. And I wasn't sure if that was like an art installation or what was going on. <laughs> and so uh, my wife and I, we were together and I said, well, I'll go walk down there and see what that is and I'll come back. And I was like, ah, it's the pigs. They just butchered them and they're hanging there. And that's cool because they're going to go over to the restaurant. Yep. But um, yep. you probably don't want to walk down there. <laughs> no, no. no, it's beautiful. I mean, our ribs, for example, our salt and pepper ribs. You know, we uh, the other day they were butchering and Amy walked in and said here's your ribs they just cut them off the pig wow so and, they I, and i've been by while you know mike and his team are taking apart a carcass and mm-hmm. i would not want to mess with those guys like they, no. they, they've got that picture window and they're in there with their tools and yeah. oh my god that's a it's a real operation yeah it's the real deal and uh, did that play into the layout of the restaurant with the open kitchen i know the other time that i was in there i we sat kind of at the bar and just watched the chefs pile meat onto different sandwiches. Sure. And is that a part of the showcase philosophy as well? Um, I suppose it is. Um, it was basically we had so many, so much space to work with that it just had to be part of the um, um, showcase. Um, but also, you know, I'm a big fan of open kitchens. You know, it's beautiful to see, you know, the chefs making the food and the whole process from start to finish, you know, which is you can see in the building. And, uh, yeah, it's beautiful. Steve, let me pivot over to you. You're getting involved in this whole food building thing as well. Tell us a little bit about your project. Sure. So what we really are trying to do is uh, highlight the grains from mid, upper Midwest, basically. As a baker, I wanted to try to go backwards a little bit. And uh, the illusion of control, but at least attempt to control the process a little bit more. And with that, that starts with the grain. Uh, so that's... Uh, milling, sourcing, milling, and then uh, using that flour uh, in the best way we can. So all of our breads will be naturally leavened, uh, so we won't be doing any commercial yeast products. Just to back up for a second, there aren't a lot of bakeries milling their own grain around here, are there? Not very many, no, no. Uh, Madison Sourdough, Madison started doing it a bit. Uh, there There are a lot of regional mills in the area, but they're generally farmers and millers or just millers. Well, and my understanding, too, is, you know, we, we know Minneapolis is a mill city, but mm-hmm. regulations have made it kind of difficult for people to actually do any milling these days. Did you have to kind of work on that aspect of the business when you put it together? We did. So the original concept came about last May. I spoke with Kieran, and we went to the city, pitched the idea, and they said, that's great, except you can't build it because <laughs> the zoning needs to be changed. And the city was very responsive and also very cooperative in terms of helping the us The city of along. Minneapolis? The city of Minneapolis. <laughs> the city of Minneapolis, I want to yes. clarify that for Yeah, no, the zoning department told us, look, we, we realize the food business, the food industry, the food kind of landscape basically is changing, and we're a little bit behind, frankly. Um, but... Given that, you still can't just open up the box, basically. You have to put some restrictions in place, which we understood, but that took time. So by the end of December, the mayor signed the zoning change after the city council had approved it, and we moved forward. So for on the consumer end, when we walk into your new bakery, what are some of the things that will be tasting that will be a little different or well, a little we're, striking we're gonna be wholesale so you won't be walking oh so you won't be there's we no have, walking you, know, you can look so through you, the window when you experience it out in the marketplace after it's been wholesaled right 
Uh, well, what we're trying to do is, since we're naturally leavened, uh, all the products will really highlight the, f the balance between the grain and the fermentation. So some products will really highlight the grain, for example, like a buckwheat. If mm -hmm. the buckwheat, we feel, has got a robust flavor, we're going to try to minimize the fermentation flavor and maximize the grain. Uh, in case the, the cases where the grain is maybe malty but not overt, then we'll highlight the fermentation. So for us, the process is really about flour, fermentation, and then pH. So as far as the kind of the generic approach. Well, I think both you guys can kind of speak to this question, but food building is kind of really fascinating because it's almost like a living lab for the local food system. It's not just one or two purveyors. It's a whole kind of interconnected place it was that is that a deliberate move what does that mean like what is it what is the significance of having this kind of a of a location now in northeast minneapolis it's definitely deliberate i think with mike in terms of his sourcing with his hogs uh reuben definitely with his milk in terms of the quality and the approach the the basic values and approach process that the farmers use with uh, how they produce their milk and for us it's also about the grain uh, we're we're going to generally, like I think I had told you, generally we're sourcing from Minnesota and North Dakota, Wisconsin. The first kind of few months, we're having to reach out a little bit farther than we want to because we're in a kind of an odd time because the grain we're sourcing is all from last year. Okay. Uh, but after this fall, my hope is that we'll be able to really source from just this general area. And what that means is trying to kind of reestablish what it is to be local. There's local and there's local, and we're trying to change the infrastructure. That's a slow process, but it's kind of endemic to what we want to do. Cool. Yeah, I think of uh, my uncle as a farmer in North Dakota, and uh, it's, it's interesting to talk to him about some of these changes that are trying to propagate throughout the region mm -hmm. where um, you have someone who tries to like brand North Dakota products, um, but that infrastructure just isn't there for him as a producer to say, okay, it has to go to the elevator and the elevator guys all have their same trucks and for the last 20 years it's been the same folks buying it and putting it on a train to ADM or whatever right. and um, I don't think people are aware of this the such high percentage of of that as a process for all the food that comes in so what type of infrastructure are you trying to do I mean are we talking really small batch um, going to the farms getting the grain putting it in trucks that you have not quite that small. Um, in order to, uh, so part of our process is about consistency from the flour to the baking and to create that consistency with the grain, we need to have it cleaned really, really well. Uh, in order to do that, we need to send it to someone that has the capability of doing that. So that means not just uh, sorting machines, but uh, like color sorting machines, which is expensive. So we're using seed houses uh, primarily. So they're large, but they're not as large as the elevators. The elevators we wouldn't even approach because we're not even close to that type of scale. So even given that, we're still quite small. So the elevator primarily that we're using, the two of them, is uh, Falk Seed House in Murdoch, Minnesota, and then Stengel Seeds in South Dakota. Uh, and they'll be doing primarily, like I said, most of our grain cleaning and then bringing it to us. But given that, we're still looking at, at if, if we're assuming we reach capacity of milling, we're looking at roughly 250 to 300 bushels per week. So that's not really that much grain. If you really think, it's about 20,000 pounds a week. To start, we're thinking three to 4,000, but is our, it's a guess, but that's kind of where we're at. Before we close out, Luke, I'm a food guy. I love to hear about food. What 
are what's one of the one of the new dishes coming on the menu at Draft Horse that we should be fired up about? Like, what's something really good you're working on? Um, I'd have to say I've got a nice uh, lamb shank that's coming on uh, next week. That would be a, you know one of our roasted entree dishes. Um, I got some nice salads, some new uh, entree style salads, lighten up the fare a bit. You know. Uh, uh, for the ladies, anyway. <laughs> and, um, yeah, just playing around with the seasonal vegetables. We're really excited um, for, um, you know, once all the produce is ready. Uh, right now, it's, we're just heavy with greens. Right now, the, you know, farmers aren't picking much else. So we've been kind of holding back to really release, you know, tomatoes and all the, all the goodies. So we're excited about that, to play around with lots of different vegetables this, this summer. So, um, and on the menu also, and play around with that once they're up and running. Very We're, cool. Uh, excited. Steve, Luke, thank you guys so much for joining us. No, thanks for being yeah. here. Thank you. Thanks we'll be back us. with more on The Weekend Starts Now. gentlemen welcome back to the weekend starts now convivial crowd here it's the ox as excited as ever indeed brewing uh so yeah let's let's close it out with some weekend picks right yeah well i wanted to first say i think i'm getting into milling now milling is your new game yeah it sounds so great yeah so just your backyard are you gonna get a place i I hear there's a lot of regulations yeah but but we know I'm the sure. we know the mayor. Yeah, we can figure that out. We can cut through it with with Betsy at our, at our <laughs> <Yeah>. sides. <laughs> the weekend starts now. Grain. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't want to compete with anybody, but uh, it sounds really cool. Kind of romantic. I mean, um, my pick right now: the patio at Obento Ya. Ooh. Uh, Stadium Village, really great little Japanese place. Sushi's really good. Honestly, everything we've had there has been really good. It's a very cute little sheltered secret patio. So if the weather's nice, going there and having some Japanese food is pretty much, pretty much the best thing. Killer. Uh, I was just there and they had, had the curry pan, which is like a fried bread with curried meat in it. Wow. That comes in like a little wire coily conical thing. It's crazy. It's great. I say go to Obento, yeah. A meat cone. That's and you got cool. a bunch of you got a bunch of events to talk uh, about. This one's kind of foodie. It's the Indeed Brewing LSD Flight Night. Lindsay, are you going to be there? Oh, she's going to be here. Nice. Uh, they're bringing four vir- versions of the lavender, sunflower, honey, dates, honey, ale, 
and featuring a habanero and Carolina reaper pepper cask Ooh. and a ginger cask. Good Lord. I'll skip the, the habanero, but everything else sounds great. Man, as well as 2015 and 2016 versions of LSD. Uh, so that's here at Indeed. Come check that out. Sounds super fun. Friday, Stone Arch Festival, fun little art music uh, and more. They have beer at that too, beer tastings. Kicks off along the waterfront at St. Anthony, Maine. A few different live music stages, um, but lots of arts and, and fun stuff throughout the weekend. Um, I'm really excited about a new uh, exhibition opening at MCAT. It's called In Words and Pictures, uh, Minnesota Women Author Illustrators. The show highlights 13 Minnesota women artists who combine words and images to create notable children's picture books. Sounds cool. Yeah, it's from what I've seen, it looks cool and... Um, yeah, lots of, you know, I mean, you know what it's like, Jim, with these picture books. I know. They're yeah. terrible. Uh, <laughs> the gooey glam rocker, Tickle Torture, he returns to Minneapolis and First Ave's main room. There's going to be a lot of heavy bass, a lot of sweaty dancing bodies, lots of glitter, lots of baby oil. Perfect. Uh, Jim and I will both be there, of course. Wearing very little. Wearing very little. <laughs> the evening includes a big deal group, Solid Gold, and it's hosted by DJ Tip. DJ that- Tip. That's exactly right. It's spelled with 10 I's. I don't know if I got all 10 in there, but I took a stab. You stopped, I think, at five. DJ Tip. One of the things I appreciate uh, about DJ Tip is that uh, if you look him up on Facebook, uh, his first name is Tip, and then all one word last name with 10 I's. <laughs> so I like it. I'm really into that. Um, on a previous episode, we talked to Eric the Anarchist Cannon. Yes. One of my heroes. Uh, I was a little starstruck, so apologies for that. But... Uh, their event, Wrestlepalooza, is coming up, and you have to go to it. It is amazing. Uh, I'm pretty much obligated as a Minneapolis, St. Paul person who's out and about that Rock the Garden is this weekend. Uh, Chance the Rapper, Flaming Lips, Police, a uh, bunch of other folks. Um, we're most excited about Girl Party. We should be closing. If you need more weekend selections, check out our newsletter and we'll send them to you. All right. Well, that's all we got. Uh, Thanks to you, Taylor, to Adam over here. We're at Indeed Brewing Company where they cultivate an artfully eclectic lineup of distinctive flagship beers, well-loved seasonal releases, and adventurous specialty brews from the heart of Northeast Minneapolis. Indeed Brewing is not just brewing beer. The crafting experiences. We are thirsty creatures indeed. There's more to explore at www.indeedbrewing.com. And we'll be back in one week with more on the weekend starts now. 